What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Geek Scott Game, the Geek vs. All Video Game Podcast. I'm your co-host, Josiah Leroy. With me today, fellow co-host, Jeffrey Pavlock. What's up, Mr. Pavlock? Yo, yo. What's up, man? So, video games on the agenda, as all for Geek on Games here. Just Geek's, the way I well, like it. Geek on Games. Geek's got game. I'm all over the place. I've, uh, if only I knew the actual title of the podcast here. So, lots to get to today. Busy few weeks worth of news. Uh, we've been running the show every two weeks here in the new year to, to get more in a groove as opposed to the, the monthly that we were doing last year. So far, so good. Uh, but let's start off as we start off every show with what is in your system, Jeff? What are you playing? I actually got two smaller games that I started playing. Um, first is Guacamelee 2, which oh, finally nice. re- finally released on Switch late last year. Um, I've downloaded. I haven't actually started it yet, but it's it's getting close. I was so excited when they uh, announced that sequel. Extremely disappointed then when it wasn't initially on a Nintendo system, since I am an only Nintendo gamer, uh, console owner. Uh, but I've got that. I'm going to start that soon. The other game I have started is called Wargroove, which is a very colorful, very whimsical turn-based strategy. Not much different from like Advanced Wars or even a little bit of Fire, uh, Fire Emblem in there. That is also available on uh, Xbox One, I believe, PC, and then at some point PlayStation 4 is on the way. Um, but I decided to take a, take a couple steps back from the major releases. I, I wanted to try out some of the indie games on the Switch eShop, and those two were uh, those were high on my list. Took a break from Smash Brothers? Oh, well, no, not really, because, I mean, I'm still playing that regularly, but everything <laughs> else, yeah. Gotcha. You can't stop playing Super Smash Brothers once it comes out. Can't get rusty. No, that's I got for sure. I got tournaments to prepare for. <laughs> that's all right. Part of the, the New Year's resolution for you. Uh, later in the show, we are going to talk about the Nintendo Direct. Speaking of Nintendo, oh, Direct. so much good stuff. Uh, so a lot, a lot to go over there. Uh, our main topic for today, which we'll again get to later, is Jump Force. So that game just released this past week. We were lucky enough to get our hands on a review copy of the game. We loved it. Uh, spoiler alert! But we'll go through the ins and outs of that, as well as getting to some of the news that happened. Uh, as far as my systems right now, what am I playing? Uh, I am proud to say, finally. Uh, I prestiged in Call of Duty Black Ops 4. I know uh, you were looking forward to that. So I knew I was around the corner, and then we got a double experience weekend, which is great. So two times the experience points on every activity, and uh, I had a really nice weekend. I've been posting some of the, the clips from my successes on, on the Geekiverse Instagram, which you can check out at the Geekiverse. Oh, that's you? That's me. I was wondering where you were, who we were capturing that footage from. Yeah, man, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I don't know if that was like Josh or uh, Sam or yeah, no, John or like Finn. Andrew even. No, see, you, listen, I'm like a closet good Call of Duty player. When I say good, I'm like casual. I'm not like a paid Call of Duty player. That's like a whole nother level. You got to kind of talk about these days. But no, I I can definitely hold my own. I had I set my record in a match. I had 30 kills, which was, yeah, I I was like a madman. <laughs> I, my eyes were bloodshot. I had a big <laughs> monster in my hand, and it was 2 in the morning. But damn it, I had a good game. So, prestiged in Call of Duty. Really happy about that. Uh, if you want to play, by the way, I'm on Xbox Live uh, under Josiah is Legend. Um, I would love to play with you. Also, finally, finally, finally making progress in Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, it's not a huge game, but uh, it, it's a little bit slow out of the gate. And uh, that that was troublesome for me. I've gotten around it. The game throws a lot at you right away, especially if you don't know any of the kind of confusing lore. But uh, I'm four worlds in. I've played Olympus, which was uh, Hercules. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I played the uh, 
uh, Ratatouille levels. I played the Tangled levels, which is Rapunzel to, to people if you don't know that movie. That was really, really well done, how they interwove everything. And then uh, right now, I'm in my favorite one, which is Toy Story. So uh, I'm basically fighting alongside Woody and Buzz, and that's a blast. There's been so many Disney properties created between Kingdom Hearts <laughs> 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3. There's just a whole new game's worth of worlds and you know settings. It's very include. true. Yeah. Uh, it's, they've done an amazing job. I can't wait to get to the Frozen World and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. And then Monsters, Inc. is also in there. Uh, so I've... I've I'm probably about a third of the way through the main story. I put about 10 hours into it. Uh, long cutscenes, beautiful graphics. I love how uh, basically Sora, uh, Donald, and Goofy are all like toy characters, like toy versions of, of themselves in the Toy Story level. Right. So that that's a lot of fun. But Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, worth the wait, everybody. Also been dabbling with the Spider-Man PS4 DLC, The City That Never Sleeps. Uh, I beat the first pack, and I'm on the second one, and I've got one to go after that. How's your New Year's resolution going? Not well. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to make up for you, like I said, with some, with some indie games. Yeah, and I, uh, I've i got Game Pass. I hit a six-month Game Pass right now for Xbox Live, and uh, some of those games that, that I... So long story short... If you listen to past episodes, one of my resolutions was to play smaller games, more smaller games to kind of check them off my list. Life is busier for me these days. I'm a, I'm a father now, and I played Inside, which is a nice little four-hour game. I played it on a Saturday night, beat it all the way through, and I have not played anything else on my list yet. So I've got huge, huge-ass games like Kingdom Hearts in there. I've been playing Call of Duty, uh, Spider-Man to a point, and then Red Dead Redemption. I'm not even halfway through. Uh, another massive game. And then, oh, by the way, sitting on my shelf in my GameCube, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Not not a small game by... Uh, it's it's like the gaming fate is just like, yeah, okay, buddy, here you, you go. You also enjoy watching TV, going to the movies. Uh, you like you like to eat. You like to try to sleep. I, I do it's, those things from time to time. You yes. try, at least. <laughs> so it's kind of a balancing act. Only so many hours, man. But yeah, uh, that's the problem. I wish we had uh, these, these three-day weekends a little bit more, I'll tell you that. Anyway, uh, we want to know what's in your system. What are you playing, whether it's PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, PC? Tell us uh, on Facebook.com slash The Geekiverse. So uh, last episode, we gave you our picks of the month. And uh, nothing new here. Just to reiterate, uh, Jeff's pick was Jump Force, which, again, we're going to be going through in more detail later on today. And I really cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, and Anthem was my pick of the month, which comes out later this week. If you pre-ordered the game or you have EA access, you're probably playing it right now. Uh, a massive patch coming on quote unquote day one on the 22nd, which we'll talk about in the news. Uh, honoring the past again, we talked about that last week. Uh, we we usually talk about a game that's either 10 or 20 years old that came out in this month, making a bit of an exception for this one. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy is one of the games that you can get if you are an Xbox Live Gold subscriber. That is for free. This is an original Xbox game, and you can play it on your Xbox One. So that game came out 2003. Uh, we're talking September on PC, November for the original Xbox. By the way, did very well critically. 81 out of uh, 100 on Metacritic. Not bad, especially for a Star Wars game, where those have kind of been up and down in terms of uh, quality. But... Uh, that game, I, I can't wait to, to play through. It's it's now no longer considered canon, of course, but it uh, you hold a lightsaber in it, and that's that's good enough for me. 
Plus, it may hold me over in the event that we do not get Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ee, ee, ooh. Just you know, there's no indication that that's happening, but uh, with EA's track record lately, you know that's how it goes. So uh, it is what it is. But it's a rough subject. Uh, speaking of respawn, we'll get to them shortly. Oh, yeah. all right. Big, uh, big uh-huh. week for respawn. Community discussion. Uh, so from time to time on our Facebook, actually pretty much every day, we've got a new discussion. Uh, this one happened to be video games, so we brought it to Geek Scott Game. Uh, we appreciate you for giving your feedback, and we're going to read some of the comments here. But we propose the question at facebook.com slash thegeekiverse. Uh, what is one game you were excited for but ended up being disappointed by? And after a long development or period after was after it was announced, what is one game that was worth the wait? So we've got some really nice answers on here. Uh, Tim Stolinski was uh, not a fan of the new Star Wars Battlefront games. Uh, he didn't give a second answer. That's okay. Sam Budzinski of the Geekiverse was disappointed by Final Fantasy XV, uh, but ha- in her second answer, has Kingdom Hearts three. She has not played it yet. That's a little surprising to me. Sam yeah. is, is a longtime Kingdom Hearts fan. Mm-hmm. Sam, what are you doing? She's got something else up her sleeve, apparently. She's got something up her sleeve. That's right. Oh, one uh, Jeff Pavlock here. <laughs> uh, what a coin getting. Who, who the hell is that guy? He looks just like you. I can't do what actually Conor McGregor said. I, I was impersonating Conor McGregor there, but I can't actually say what he said in that context there. Thank you. It's because w- I don't way really too it. vulgar. Yeah, you'd have to bleep <laughs> it out. But a- anybody who knows Conor McGregor knows what I was doing there. So a game you were disappointed by was Metroid Other M. Boo. Boo. Yeah. Why that, is that? Well, when it when they first released it, um, it was in the middle of the Wii's life cycle, and by that point, the Wii had a stigma among like hardcore gamers as not being not having a library to appeal to a longtime gamer that it was full of shovelware and just casual games. It was underpowered, it focused too much on gimmicky controls. And then out of the blue comes this highly cinematic, action packed metroid game uh co-developed between nintendo and team ninja who were known for the ninja guiding games at that time and everybody thinks you know this is a game that shouldn't exist on the wii like this is like this defies everything about what the wii's reputation is um and it was you know set to give this completely fresh take on the metroid franchise with a more cinematic approach story elements that you never saw there before and then the game came out and what we found out was that the story was terrible and the controls were just really really wonky um it really it focused too much on the action as opposed to the exploration elements that metroid fans always loved it just didn't it did not capture the spirit of the series at all unfortunately you had Resident Evil 4 as yeah. a game worth the wait. I think many people would agree with that. There's, um, granted, the public has never seen all of them, but there's always said to have been four different versions of that game that were made during development and scrapped along the way because the initial concept came up in like the late 90s or early 2000s for the game. And then just all these different ideas never really panned out until they finally, until Capcom finally settled on what we eventually got with the finished product makes you feel better there were four versions of resident evil 6 and they all came out and they were all terrible right yeah that too <laughs> that too not the same thing i'm just ranting if you know me it's a long time joke resident evil 6 was my first foray into the franchise <sighs> resident evil 2 remake is on my list uh, it's just you know i've got a, a lot of lists to eat up before i get to it i've ha- i've tried that out recently incredible it looks beautiful oh it's so creepy at time. i jumped 
I jumped more than once. <laughs> Dolly! Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd be jumping all over the place. Uh, so Greg Jones said, disappointed by Final Fantasy 15. Worth the wait, Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm sensing a pattern here. I was say, didn't we already hear Final Fantasy 15? Did he copy there? and paste this? <laughs> uh, this is possibly my favorite answer. I, I was uh, telling you, Ryan Garnett wrote on our Facebook, I started using Gamefly after I got hyped up about Naughty Bear on PS3. Do you guys know uh, what Naughty Bear is? I, you did not know until we I, talked. No, I did not. <laughs> so I only knew about this game because I worked at GameStop, and this was... Um, this was in the bargain bin pretty quickly. I worked there a few hours or a few years after it came out. 2010, this game released on the 360 and PS3. Oh, and apparently it's on iOS, which is hilarious. Uh, but anyway, here's the plot from Wikipedia. Set in the 1980s, Naughty Bear is the only bear on Perfection Island who is not invited to Daddle's birthday party. Daddle, not Daddy. Daddle. Naughty tries to be nice anyway, and even crafts a gift for the occasion, hoping he, <coughs> excuse me, hoping he and Daddles could become friends. When two other bears, Chubby and Giggles, see that Naughty has a present, they laugh at him. This makes Naughty sulk back to his house. He then decides to get revenge on the bears, going on a killing spree and punishing the various other inhabitants of Perfection Island and any outside help that comes to their aid. This is a real game, folks, published by 505 Games, a, a very <laughs> credible studio I guess everyone's or publisher. Got, everyone's got one, uh, one stinker on their resume. That is for sure. 505 Games coming out with Control next year, which is a game that I am dying to play. Uh, anyway, That looks awesome. Yeah, that's, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, Control I looks really good. I'm going to play the hell out of that when it comes out. But Ryan uh, on our Facebook said the trailers looked interesting and the gameplay mechanics sounded unique, but nothing worked. And it was just a wa giant waste of time. I paid $60 for it and traded it in for $14 less than two weeks later. Oh, you hate to see that. That hurts. This game is on my shelf, by the way, everybody. Uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, Lauren, thought this was uh, was funny and ended up purchasing it out of the, the bargain bin. But it's never been in our system, so it's literally just set on our shelf. Probably for the better. Probably for the better is right. Uh, Ryan, second part, uh, worth the wait. <laughs> Final Fantasy thirteen. He says, seriously, what the hell? Wait, worth the wait? I think uh, he's saying it's going to be in terms of uh, the remake. No, Final Fantasy thirteen ain't getting a remake. That's I'm not a sure reason. where he's going That's with That's a this. reason. Maybe he meant that was like a second game that he was disappointed by. Because Final Fantasy Thirteen was a uh, bit you know what? I, I stand corrected. That's how it's worded. Right. That's my that bad, was a Ryan. huge bust no, in the eyes of a mind. lot of Final Fantasy fans. Yep. So all right. He only answered part one, but he answered two for it. Two that just really so, disgruntled him, huh? That's that's right. So one of the two of us owns Naughty Bear still, and that's me. So I'm the sucker here. Uh, oh, Brandon Van Allen uh, from Community Beer Works. He said, disappointed by Final Fantasy Eight. Worth the wait. Half-Life 3. <laughs> ha! I get it. Oh, I love it, man. I and then uh, Ryan Gorman said uh, the new Star Wars Battlefront. Actually, both of them were disappointments in the game worth the wait. I agree. South Park, the stick of truth. Ah, yes. That, uh, that was in development for a long time. Uh, last one we're going to get to here. Thank you so much, everybody, for responding to to our community discussion here. Yeah, if we can't get to you, uh, we apologize. By all means, keep posting on our Facebook, and hopefully we'll pick you in the future. Yeah, keep posting. We love it. Uh, community's a big uh, buzzword for us right now. Uh, Jordan Kucharski, forgive me if I'm saying your last name wrong. Uh, Jordan says, can I say two? I remember watching the trailers for Final Fantasy 13 and Versus 13. 
parentheses Final Fantasy 15 over and over and over. I was so excited for those games. They both ended up being huge disappointments. I think I ended up annoying Agito the most. He puts in parentheses Final Fantasy Type-0. I can't think of any games that I had a long development cycle that I thought were worth the wait simply because I can't think of many games that I've played that had a long development cycle other than these two. Must be nice, kid. Yeah, that's try, good. Try, so keep, try waiting years for every 3D Zelda to come out. <laughs> keep your hopes up high and your head down low, kid, uh, from my friends at A Day to Remember. Anyway, uh, great community discussion there. I, uh, I second everyone saying Kingdom Hearts. Worth the wait, everybody. Uh, very good. So, uh, for more community discussion, go to facebook.com slash thegeekiverse and get in on the discussion there. Uh, before moving on to the news this week, we want to remind you that we have a Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, I'll tell you this, folks. Pavlak, what is the best way to describe Patreon? Well, what it does is it helps us keep the lights on. And you don't want to write games coverage. You don't want to talk about games coverage in the dark. you got to see what you're doing here. So, Unless you're playing Resident Evil 2. That is a very good point. That's you know, that's put a, the headphones on. That's some ambiance right there. Get some ambiance. Uh, just make sure you're you've got a strong heart. You don't want to, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a scary game if you don't know, folks. But anyway, uh, Patreon.com. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Geekiverse for as little as one dollar a month. You can help us out. Keep those lights on. So there, there are different levels to subscribe to, all the way up to $25 a month, that give you exclusive perks. We would appreciate if you consider at least doing the $1 a month. If not, share it with a friend. It would go a long way for us. That will go a long way in the coming year into what we are going to do here at the Geekiverse and bringing you more great content between movies, games, comics, and TV. So thank you very much for considering. Subscribe at patreon.com slash thegeekiverse. Jeffrey. Yeah? I think it's time to get to the news. Time for the news here. We've got nine items on, on the report this week. Lots of good stuff as we're going through our, uh, our Slack chat here. No bigger news item in the last two weeks than Apex Legends. Speaking of respawn, as we, we spoke earlier, uh, Apex Legends is a free-to-play battle royale game from Titanfall developer Respawn and set in the Titanfall universe. You ready for this? According to GameSpot.com, the game has now crossed 10 million players, with a record of more than 1 million concurrent players, Respawn announced. It's pretty incredible. That's, that's really impressive. This game has legs fast. So if, you, you, if you're not into the Battle Royale scene, or if, you do, if you're a gamer in one segment and you don't know what Fortnite is, this is kind of that. But it seems to really have a new flavor. It's more squad-based. It takes what worked with Titanfall. Now, there's no Titans. There's no mechs in it yet. And not that they've said that will happen, but you got to imagine something's happening at some point. Uh, so you just play what are called the, uh, the pilots from Titanfall, which are basically just the on-feet soldiers. This is incredible. Uh, John... Fick from the Geekiverse has been playing the heck out of this. You can read his write-up at thegeekiverse.com on his Apex Legends impressions. These games you and I have not really delved into much, but this is one I've downloaded. Okay. So it's sitting on my Xbox uh, waiting to be played, and uh, I can't wait to, to get to it. I'm a huge Titanfall fan. Uh, I'm really happy that this came out. There's a, a part of me that's a little upset that it probably means Titanfall 3 is not going to be coming out, but what do you speak to with the reaction of of the fan base to this? Well, how much? How, what kind of resources do you think went into this? When you say you don't think Titanfall is coming out, then like how well, let me how strenuous it. do you think the development cycle was after this? I don't think Titanfall three is 
close. And I'll, I'll say this. So we had Titanfall 2 come out in 2016. Fall of 2016, I believe. EA made what felt like a huge mistake in releasing it a week apart from Battlefield 1. So both of those games kind of suffered, in my opinion. Um, I adore Titanfall 2. I thought it was great. I, th- I loved the online play. And it was just as addictive as, as the single-player campaign was engrossing. That being said, I think EA probably said, hey, let's go get our slice of the pie of this. I see. Okay. Well, uh, Respawn, you're already working probably insane hours and on weekends and nights on a Star Wars game. I see. They, From an earnings call with EA, they said two games would be coming from Respawn this year. Star Wars Fallen Jedi, or Jedi Fallen Order, excuse me. And um, I would imagine this is that other game. Okay. Uh, I've got more to say on that in our second bullet point here, but I don't see how a studio like that... Respawn is still relatively new, even though right. they've de- developed... Uh, no. They released Titanfall in 2014 now. I was say, that's their first game, though, right? As like a, as one studio? Yeah, Respawn has just released Titanfall and Titanfall 2 to date. That's a very new studio by comparison, then, to others. Yes. So, and granted, lots of history there. Zam- uh, Zampella right, was the, one of the godfathers of the modern sure, warfare sure. franchise but when you're talking about the you know what the kind of like what the mission statement of respawn is when you gather all those people together that's a fairly new vision so yeah i i, I know what you mean there so i i'm a little bit worried that that may not be coming at some point not just because of manpower but because hey this is killing it right and it's fine it's a good game why would you turn away from something that's obviously so successful and i would argue probably way more cost effective yeah titanfall i'm paying 60 dollars for plus uh if if they decide to do a season pass that's that's all content people have got to pay for here i can go play this for free i can sink money into it if i want to and if they can take any piece of the pie from fortnite any at all you're doing well no one's going to completely just wipe away Fortnite. But we're just saying just a little bit of it, it's more than enough. I mean, Fortnite, I, f- I mean, I, it's still very successful on consoles. Switch in particular has had huge numbers since it released. Um, but I feel like Fortnite's, and I could be wrong about this, I feel like Fortnite's largest audience is on um, non-traditional gaming platforms, like, say, your tablets and whatnot. Gotcha. So maybe Apex Legends kind of slides in and takes over Xbox One, PlayStation, like the Xbox One, PlayStation Four audience, perhaps. Okay. I mean, it does seem to be a little bit more polished, more in depth, um, kind of gameplay than Fortnite. I mean, and you know, I can't speak to it because I haven't played it, but everything I've seen says they just kind of not, not exactly, but it seems like it was very much rooted from what they took from Titanfall yeah. in, in sense of gameplay minus the max, minus the Titans, right. that is. Um, but at some point, if they want to add, um, they're going. there's going to be a battle pass at some point. So there's going to be seasons of this, like Fortnite has seasons. Um, Respawn said they hope the game can live on until 2027. So that's a long time that, for a game like this. That's almost 10 years. That's like right? that's eight years away. Right, exactly. Um so their players can expect quote unquote exciting changes in gameplay evolutions. So they're they're building this for a long time, uh, and, and that's fine. But like I said, selfishly, I want a Titanfall, a proper Titanfall three. You know what I get a chuckle out of too? Looking at this, 
it's another shooter with a very colorful, very zany kind of art direction. It's, We've it's, talked about this yeah. before on this podcast several times, how that is kind of the trend nowadays, especially in the shooting genre. It was it was bleak. You had those right. sandy color tones for a long time, and now we're at Fortnite, which is colorful. Black Ops 4, every customization is some sort of color, essentially. Oh, really? I, your, I don't think I knew that. Any, anything you can do to your weapon, your outfit, you can basically look like you're a knight dressed in armor. Like, that's not Call of Duty. So, yeah, so even Call of Duty is incorporating yeah, that now. Yeah. Exactly. The And that's fine. It's fun. It's just interesting how, yeah. you know, the, the tie kind of ebbs and flows on, you know, right. taste and art direction. Far Cry. The right. new oh, dawn, yeah. Uh, Rage 2. I mean, Overwatch, I feel like, is the one that probably got that started. Definitely. Because of how big that was. And then everybody, and then just between the game mechanics, trying to make that squad-based shooter, but then also that, you know, really colorful, really just um, whimsical, outlandish kind of tone. It's fun. So, I, you know, that's <laughs> It's just that's inter- I, Like I said, it, just, it interests me. It's a fun trend. Uh, we'll see if that continues. As long as it makes money, it will. Um, so, also, uh, this past week, uh, moving on to bullet point number two here on our news report, uh, we learned there is more Titanfall coming this year, but... But what does that mean? So on Twitter, Respawn CEO Vince Sampella said the studio is working on new content, but also planning more Titanfall regarding Apex Legends, I should have said. Uh, Quote, unquote, we are also working on more Titanfall for later in the year. Parentheses. Yes, I said the T word. We love being able to experiment in this crazy universe. Huh. Have they done any kind of Titanfall media that isn't video game? Like any kind of novelizations, comics, anything like that? Not to my knowledge, but I don't know that. Maybe they're branching out? Hmm. That is a complete shot in the dark by me. Please, I, I, am, not, <laughs> I am not putting that one down on paper sure, or anything. Sure. Just speculation here. Right. Uh, as part of EA's earnings on GameSpot here, the company noted that among its ongoing and upcoming projects, it's excited to grow Apex Legends and related Titanfall experiences. Ah. So I wonder if you get some sort of segment that is like Apex, but with the Titans. Or you get DLC for Titanfall 2, which would be odd at this point, because it's mm. a few years old. But never say never. DLC we've no- we've seen spawn up years after a game has released. CEO of EA, Andrew Wilson, said, The Respawn team has a strong plan for Apex Legends that will engage fans for a long time to come. As the live service evolves, Respawn also has plans to launch a premium game this year that is a new twist on the Titanfall universe. More to come on that in the months ahead. Is this some iteration or full retail release of Apex Legends? Uh, I don't know. Is it, it is a spinoff. It's very interesting that the game is just not Titanfall 3, or at least it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, why not just say it's Titanfall 3? Just give it to us, man. Just give us what, give it to us, please. Mm. Please, I beg you. But hey, Apex is doing well. Moving on to uh, news item number three. So Geralt of Rivia has been a busy man the last few years. <laughs> so Witcher 3 came out in 2015. And uh, CD Projekt Red, there was a, a press release that The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt's Geralt of Rivia arrives in Monster Hunter World. So, CD Projekt Red, creators of The Witcher series of games, together with Capcom, that's a legendary team up there, Invite gamers around the world to take on a monster hunt of epic proportions as the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt-themed content makes its way into Monster Hunter World. 
come February 15th, so just a few days ago, the most adept monster hunters, rank 50 or above, will be able to put their skills to the test in an extremely challenging multiplayer event. How about that? Uh, Geralt, uh, he's been all over the place. Uh, Soul Calibur, he's... Uh, I'm missing a few things for sure. Well, the English version of the sixth book came out, I believe, last year, 2018. It finally got translated. It was released in Poland years earlier because that's obviously the country of origin, but it finally got the English translation last year. It's a popular character. We know the show is moving along nicely with Henry Cavill in the in the lead role. Yeah. So, yeah, he's... It, 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 that series is definitely good time to out. be a, a fan and uh monster hunter world just seems perfect yeah monster hunter is i mean even going back to like um the wii and the wii u versions of monster hunter 3 um they've always done a very good job of um lengthening their online scene with new events new monsters new uh weapons and costumes even long after the physical game has released so they definitely make sure that they keep the online community active you know going forward it's it, it does not burn out very quickly it's uh it's important to keep that that flame going yeah, exactly that's for sure especially it's good for the brand and monster hunter as we've talked about on past podcasts uh has is really kind of hit a high in, in terms of popularity here and i, I think it's going to continue especially if they keep branching out bringing in characters like this or dlc like this they had um i remember they had uh, like a costume that was basically Link from Legend of Zelda in Monster Hunter 4, I think it was. Um, they've had you could dress up your like your little cat minion as Sonic or Mega Man at times. They've they've long done stuff like that. Killing it. Uh, news item number four. Uh, un- this is an unfortunate one here. Activision layoffs. Uh, last year, Activision Blizzard uh, had a. Pretty much a record year in terms of uh, numbers there. We got $7.5 billion in sales, $1.8 billion in profits. Uh, this according to Polygon.com. But unfortunately, the result, 800 employees out of work. Uh, it's unfortunate. The Geekiverse definitely expresses sympathy towards those that are affected by these massive layoffs. Uh, but all too common, we see it in the gaming industry. This one, a rather large siphoning, though. Um uh, we just saw Telltale Games implode uh, a few months ago, and that was bad with uh, just under 250 employees. But here we've got, uh, you know, the studio that owns and creates Call of Duty. Uh, we've got Overwatch, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, all under this umbrella. And uh, despite all that money, the decision to go where it went, you know, you never know everything with what goes on behind closed doors, but definitely in unfortunate times here. Yeah, it's just kind of scary. Like you, all the franchises you just mentioned are hugely successful. Like you don't think of failure or disappointment anytime you hear one of those properties. And yet it's not enough to keep these 800 people employed. Like it's just, it's very scary how easy, how easy it is. You know, or I should say how difficult it is to maintain in the modern gaming industry. The current scene is just so ruthless. Ruthless is a great word for it. Fickle is another word that comes to mind in terms of hiring. Uh, It's job to job, and it's not glamorous. No. Uh, So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers out to those employees. We we hope you guys land on your feet. We know uh, it'll be soon. You've got a great pedigree. Keep uh, keep your heads up here. We're all thinking about you here at the Geekiverse. Agreed. I second that. Uh, Number five, speaking of 
Call of Duty uh, from the Activision earning call. We learned that, uh, no surprise here, 2019's Call of Duty is confirmed. And it's going to have a, a key feature that wasn't there for Black Ops 4. Uh, there will be some sort of campaign in this year's game. Uh, they quote, a huge expansive multiplayer world. So I imagine that's like Blackout, which is basically your Battle Royale version of Call of Duty. And a fun co-op gameplay. I imagine that's zombies. Nothing crazy new there. Um, we had Call of Duty Black Ops 4 last year. Black Ops has traditionally been the best performing sub-brand in Call of Duty. But uh, it feels like Modern Warfare 4 is probably the one that we'll be getting this year. We've got Infinity Ward up. Uh, it's their turn in the three-year rotation of studios. Uh, campaign, that's good news for me. I'm one of the few people in the world who loves the Call of Duty campaigns. They're short. They're to the point. I, it's fun. And well, th there's got to be more than a few of you if they're bringing it back. They, yeah. they wouldn't be doing it just to satisfy a handful of people. It, it's got to make some financial sense, I would imagine. Um, so... And maybe they're they're going to do something with uh, a modern warfare storyline. I, I hope that's uh, that's the game we're getting here. So that'll that'll be exciting. That will uh, inevitably come out in October or November. How many years or how many games has it been without the single player mode? Just uh, just this one, just Black Ops Four. This was the first one. Why does it feel like it's been much longer? They've been talking about it for a long time. Uh, okay. So Titanfall, the original, did not have a campaign. Right. And that was a thing. Right. Um, I remember that. Evolve. Remember that game? Yes, I do. That did not have a campaign. You're right. It did uh, not. <laughs> and then, what else am I thinking? Destiny did have a campaign, but very, very short. So it felt like that's where things were headed. And then Titanfall 2 had one of the best shooter campaigns in any shooter of all time. Uh, well-received. And it, again, at the end of the day, I can love it or tons of gamers will love it. It comes down to does it make financial sense to allocate resources that way. Uh, I hope it does. I really hope it does. I love those campaigns. Like I said, I've, I've played pretty much all of them dating back to uh, whatever game came after World at War. So we're going uh, back a ways. Wasn't that one? I've played every Black Ops, every Modern Warfare. Was that Modern Warfare 3? Uh, no, oh, oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna let this one just sit no. here. We're gonna figure this out. So even earlier than that, I'm I'm gonna say it was Modern Warfare. I thought I thought three was later than that. I'm okay. I think you're right, but I'm almost positive World at War came out after the original Modern Warfare. Maybe. So hold oh, up. No, hold. you're you're probably right. Well, let's let's do a little bit of clicking and bee booping here. <laughs> we're gonna get this answer. I have to do our own research. This is craziness. Um, let's see here. Actually, got a, a good segue after that. Okay, so let's see. I don't know why I'm murmuring like that. <laughs> <laughs> 2008 for World at War, and I'm almost positive that then World Modern Warfare 2 was 2009. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So it was in between the two Modern War, the first two Modern Warfares, I mean. So Modern Warfare was my... my Actually, Black Ops was my, my first foray into it. Um, yeah. So gotcha. I, I've played quite a bit of them. I, I actually do own the Call of Duty 2. For It's funny to think of Call of Duty with just a number next to it. But I, I played through that campaign uh, back in the day for 360. So Oh, I remember that one. That was uh, a, that, wasn't that a launch title for 362? Uh, yeah. Or a very or at least a very early it release? Was, yeah, one of the two. Right. It, I, I think it was a launch title. It was, uh, it was right there. I definitely remember playing through it, and that was like the game that was like 
holy crap, these graphics are amazing. Like that was like that was like the technical show uh, showcase for oh, 360. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, I remember a lot of people getting the 360 and saying they were playing Call of Duty, and right. it was like this new game. It was exciting at the time, and definitely a technical showcase. Uh, next on the agenda, we've got a new studio from X Telltale Games people. That's good to hear. Very good to hear. I so, I, I'm gl- very glad to hear that, actually. Yes. Uh, according to Variety, four former Telltale developers have reunited to form Ad Hoc. Love that name. Uh, with the intention of continuing their legacy of crafting narrative-focused games. I love it. So the team is strongly hinting it will be an interactive live-action experience. That sounds like a Telltale game to me. That's different. That that, that neat. I mean, not different in a bad way. Just unique. Interactive live, or sorry, interactive live action experience. I wonder if live action is taken a little out of context here. Right. You know what I mean? Not like uh, what was uh, the Netflix release that just came out? Oh, Bandersnatch. Yes, yes. Black. Yeah. I think this this sounds exactly like what they've done with Wolf Among Us, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead. You name it. Any game they worked on. Maybe. I don't know. You know what? Maybe maybe there is something to this. I'm I'm actually just looking up a quote right now. So. Ad Hoc's CCO, the Chief Creative Officer, Pierre Chorette, says making interactive experiences with real actors on the screen is something we've always talked about. We have all we all have backgrounds and interest in film and television. So combining that with their experience in games is something we're exploring right now. Interesting. So that screams a mix between Telltale and what we saw with Quantum Break. I was just <laughs> about to say Quantum Break if you hadn't. That's actually what I was thinking of. Oh, man. Okay. I, that's going to be expensive. But you know what? I love it. I, I love the idea of that. Uh, I loved Quantum Break. Yeah. That was uh, that was one of my favorite early Xbox One games. Uh, oh, go man. check that out if you have not. Stretch the boundaries of creativity. From the uh, the creators of the Ellen Wake franchise yeah, that's... and Max Payne. That could be maybe that's the route they're going. Oh man, uh, I sign me up. Yeah, definitely. I, I I I'm surprised that there hasn't been more uh, of that style done since Quantum Break. Granted, I'm, yeah. like you said, I'm sure it's Probably very expensive, expensive but <laughs> I'm surprised no one else has really tried to dabble with it. I imagine it'd take just as much time, if not maybe less time, to let's say film like ten different scenarios of a scene in real live action actors and actresses as opposed to reanimating yeah. different scenes like probably about yeah animation is very very time consuming so yeah you're right I, probably not too crazy to say they're in the same realm but that's uh that's super exciting i uh i huge telltale games fan a uh, few things you can check out my uh, my legacy piece on telltale that i wrote back in september it's right at the geekiverse.com and then uh also had an interview with emily grace buck who was one of the lead narrative designers on the walking dead for them uh, she was gracious enough to give us 10 questions uh, of her time there so uh check that out right away nintendo direct so we got some uh, some news from the directs, which was uh, actually just last week now. Pavlak, you want to go over some of uh, kind of what happened there, some of the, the bigger announcements? This was a little bit of a shorter one, but we got a lot of content in it. Yeah, um, I think it clocked out at like 35 minutes or something like that, but they just jam-packed announcements in here. A lot of stuff that we didn't even know about. Like it wasn't even on you know rumor radars or anything like that. Right. Um, I, I think the... Biggest takeaway, if you're looking at this as a whole, is that the Switch's summer is going to be absolutely jam-packed. We have a June release window for Super Mario Maker 2, which was a completely brand new announcement. Hadn't heard any whispers about that. Everybody always assumed that there was one coming because it just seems like an obvious 
uh, project for Nintendo, but now we got confirmation of it, and it's right around the corner. Um, Fire Emblem Three Houses will be July 26th, which is a little bit later than we were all hoping for since the original release. Actually, it was when that game was first mentioned, it was noted for a 2018 release date, and then once we saw it as Fire Emblem Three Houses, they said spring 2019, so a little bit later, but... That'll be a very fun summer game for sure. Four days after my birthday, so you'll know what I'll be playing around that time. Yes. Um, and then the other confirmed release date is a brand new game from Platinum Games called Astral Chain, which will be August thirty, August 30th. Best way I can describe that is like Ghost in the Shell with superhero-like abilities fighting giant monsters. <laughs> Um, looks like a really cool game. I love everything that Platinum does. I mean, these are the guys be- guys and girls behind Bayonetta, Mad World, Near Autonoma, Vanquish. They're one of my favorite studios. I've always wanted Nintendo to just scoop them up as a second-party developer, just make them exclusively in-house. Um, but then there's also two other games for the summer that don't have you know, release dates or yet, but they are said to be for the summer. That's going to be Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 and Damon X Machina. So in the span of about, you could say, maybe three months, you're going to get all five of these games, possibly. Um, plus a little bit more, because there are some smaller titles like um, Oninaki from Square Enix, which is, going to, I assume, going to be a download again. Um, Probably. Yeah. But, just, you know, we always say the summer gaming season is usually the slower time of year for video games, and yet the Switch is about to have more you know, triple A production or triple A releases than it's had in probably like the last calendar year outside of like super smash brothers. It's filling a need there. So in terms of gaming seasons, we always used to joke fall was it. And right. As we look on 10 years, 20 years ago, when we do our honoring the past segment, those games uh, all were packed into the three month, three months before Christmas, basically uh, spring, probably about seven or eight years ago in there started to become bigger and bigger mass effect three was coming out and that was headlined there uh and right now we're in the middle of a crazy release season winter even so post christmas and that small gap there between the christmas and spring really uh we always get some sort of resident evil game whether it's a remake or a new one there's at least a big game or two coming out in february every year uh this year in january we got kingdom hearts and resident evil and this year we're getting metro exodus and we got jump force and we're getting anthem so that's gone. So what's left? Summer. Well, now maybe Nintendo's kind of starting that trend. So games are going to be just round the, cl- round the clock, round the year, yeah. big name, small title, doesn't matter. They're going to be coming out. Yeah, why limit yourself to just a few select months out of the year? Yeah, right. In, in, in certain cases, it makes sense to spread them out. In certain cases, it makes sense to clump them together up against your competition. But here, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, Titanfall and Battlefield coming out together didn't make sense. Like those are two very of the same. You're selling to the same audience there, right? Okay, yeah, just not a good idea. Good way to describe it. And the same publisher, by the way, stupid. Oh God, I didn't. You're yeah, right. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I published both of those. Games. Who the hell does that? <laughs> Who made that decision? Terrible. But now we're going to be getting these summer games, and uh, I I'm a big fan of that. 
there's also a little bit of a history of Switch titles doing very well in the summer. Splatoon 2 released in oh, late July, yep. sold very, very well. Octopath Traveler was July of last year. That sold very well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we always talk about, you know, third parties don't sell as well as first-party games on Nintendo systems. But Octopath did over a million copies sold. Very popular and that was, game. you know, Yeah, you know, middle of July. So it's it's not unheard of that a game can sell well in the summer. And I I really think that this is going to be a smart move for Nintendo, and I think more companies are going to take after them yeah, after this so summer if all of these games sell well, which at this point, if it, if a piece of software is at least competent, it's going to sell well on Switch. Switch's software numbers are incredible. Yeah, and uh, huge install base nowadays. Yeah. So they're, they're, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the system to go to at this point uh, if you're looking to branch out from the norm. Uh, the other thing I want to mention last of us for playstation did very well and that was a june release when it came out okay uh, yeah that, sure you know one of the most lauded playstation games of all time yeah that's one of the games of that generation yeah uh so i i imagine you know maybe i wonder if they follow suit with uh, the last of us part two for that at some point good question uh, but yeah uh, the exciting news all around there speaking of platinum games here one sec yes i would be remiss if i didn't mention it even though i'm not excited for it okay Link's Awakening remake coming to Nintendo Switch sometime this year. I know so many people that absolutely freaked out about that. Link's Awakening is actually only the fourth entry in the Legend of Zelda series. Wow, so we're going back. Yeah, yeah. so they're remaking it for Switch, all new. It, it's still, you know, top-down, you know, overhead view, but it's new 3D graphics. I know so many people that are all excited for it. I don't think the game looks that good. I hate the graphics. <laughs> so I just doesn't look fun to you. Yeah. Um, it, well, I'm sure it'll be fun because I love, you know, I love Legend of Zelda. But the thing with me is I love 3D Zelda. I only like 2D Zelda. Like, you know, Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess, Breath of the Wild, that kind of style. My favorite games of all time. The 2D Zeldas, there's really not one that I love. Even like A Link to the Past, which some people would tell you is still the best Zelda game of all time. And that was the one from super Nintendo. Um, I just don't like the style quite as much. And I really don't like these graphics that they're using for it. It looks like, do you remember Nintendo land? Yep. It looks like the graphics from the Zelda mini game in that it's just super plasticky, just oh, like, uh, like obnoxiously colorful. It just looks like sweet and candy. Like I'm just not feeling it. That's a good way to describe it from what I've seen so far Uh that's okay hey and you don't have to like every game that's coming out by the way uh especially on the switch you got a lot of lot of options coming up uh yeah yeah, i know it probably sounds weird for me to be dumping on zelda like this but i'm not feeling it it's about time give me (laughs) give me the next 3d zelda all right let's it's almost been two years since breath of the wild let's get on that (laughs) listen to this let's go let's go (laughs) greedy gus over here I yeah well we'll uh, we're gonna have to wait a while I think <laughs> don't, don't, don't say that don't say that uh so I'll, I'll try this again speaking of right, platinum oh, yeah, games the, <laughs> now you may go after you speaking of platinum games Scalebound do you remember this game Scalebound very uh, well I was so disappointed when that got canceled me too so I thought this was basically uh let's see here how did I describe this earlier Devil May Cry meets uh Skyrim maybe a little bit uh. Maybe a dash of Sunset Overdrive. What was the game on PlayStation 3 with the dragons? Lair? Was it? It was an early game. I don't remember. I think it was called Lair. And it turned out to be a disappointment because it did not control well. They impl- they made you, u- or at least initially before there was a patch later on, they made you use the um, the gyroscopic controls. 
on oh, the PlayStation geez, 3 controller. I didn't even realize. And it just did not control well then. But that's it was not, yeah, you the basically the game was you control dragons that fought on huge battlefields. That's not good for anybody. No, no, no. But uh yeah, so this game was canceled by uh Microsoft. Uh they were in control of it. It was going to be an Xbox exclusive in terms right. of consoles. And uh I thought uh from the initial public release of the the, the trailer to where they f- showed us towards the end of the development. We didn't know it was the end of the development, but uh, <laughs> it looked like it was. It had shades of Sunset Overdrive. It's It was goofy, fun, colorful. Uh, the premise here, I just had this. The demos were crazy. Yeah, it looked like it was it was going to be a blast. But it said in the original concept for Scalebound, this is uh, uh, from NintendoInsider.com, uh, you were able to play as Drew who, while exploring the dangerous world of Draconis, is bounded is bonded to the fearsome and noble dragon Thuban, the last of his kind. Thrown together by fate, they must defeat the enemies that threaten their world. This, I, uh, was this going to be a Kinect game at first? Did, did I remember that correctly? No, well, close. It was originally developed, or sorry, con- like preconcept. Uh, what's the word? Preconceptual lot. Yeah, preconceived. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did not have a single cup of coffee today. Oh, I don't even know how you did it. It's unbelievable. It was to me. preconceived yeah. on the Wii, actually. The earliest, like, oh, that the makes earliest sense stage, okay. the earliest stages of the game were from the original Wii. So talk about a long development cycle, huh? Yeah, uh, that, that would have been perfect on last week's episode. You just missed it. I know, right? Uh, so this, by the way. Uh, we'll get to why we're talking about this. Rumored to now be a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Uh, this is a rumor. This is unconfirmed at this point, but this uh, from a pretty good source over at NintendoInsider.com. So um, that's a win for me. That's a win for a lot of fans out there. This game uh, was revealed on stage at E3 2014 for, for Xbox. What do you think here? If true, I am unbelievably excited. I can't believe it. I loved what we saw of the game when it was in development for Xbox One. I thought it looked great. Um, Like you said, Devil May Cry, but also like with some Monster Hunter in there. It's like if you combine those two franchises and just Platinum Platinum Games to me can't do any wrong. That that studio is absolutely incredible for action games. Um, I mean, like you said, it's only a rumor. But I think there is plenty of credence to it, or at least it's it doesn't sound I completely outrageous. Nintendo has a very good relationship with Platinum, um, getting Bayonetta 2 exclusive to the Wii U at the time. At this point now, Bayonetta is basically exclusive to, uh, to Nintendo platforms, uh, with Bayonetta 3 in development exclusively for Switch. Um, so, yeah, this game kind of goes hand in hand, if if indeed true. Uh, with a lot of what we've been talking about lately, games that have been in long development cycles uh, or canceled seemingly altogether or uh, worth the wait or not. And funny enough, we weren't 100% sure of this when we were proposing that community question. So uh, here's hoping that this makes the comeback, that ends up being a good game. Switch seems like a great system for it. And uh, I'm ready to go. Fire it up. Me too. When do you think we'll get it if if true? Uh, honestly, I can't even put a window on that because we don't know if... I mean, one, we don't even know if this is actually true that's being resurrected. Two, we don't know if they just decided last week to re, you know 
revitalize this or if it's something that they've been working on for a few months or even longer. And when it was in development originally, or what should I say for Xbox One, the Switch was really not a thing yet. That's, so yeah, that's a big thing. Like I this, say you're three years away if, if it is true. And I mean, on top of the fact that it's a different system, it's also a different, a very different, you know, hardware specs too. They're going to have to downgrade the game a little bit to run on the Switch properly. And this um, was this was canceled in January of 17. So yeah, two years ago. a while. Over two years ago. Uh, it's been a while I, now, and there's a lot of technological advancement in gaming since then. I think, you know, if this is true, maybe E3 is where Nintendo makes the official announcement that, hey, it's coming back and it's going to be on Switch. I don't think we see much more than that, though, for a little while. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you on that. But if it is indeed coming, I will gladly wait for it. Uh, me too. Better, th- better to get it later than not at all. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, last news item number nine here on the the report for the week. Anthem, as we mentioned earlier, getting a, a quote unquote day one patch. Uh, so this is going to improve loading times. If you played the game at all, kind of amazing. Uh, either through EA Origin or uh, pre preloading and pre ordering the game. Uh, there's been a few really big bugs. There's uh, if you change gear, for example, and then re-enter, uh, there's a seven minute load screen. Oh dear. It's really, it's really bad. <laughs> what? That's uh, that's bad. So, thanks to people that have been complaining about this on Reddit, <laughs> uh, this is where the patch is coming. It's a big patch, uh, and it will be required to play the game. You'll see it come in uh, when you boot up the game on the twenty second. So that's good, I guess. Uh, sucks if you've been playing the game because you've been losing a lot of time. Literally seven there. minutes. Seven minutes. That's. Are you kidding me? It's unacceptable. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the news this week. Uh, if you've got a news item uh, here in the future, share it with us right at facebook.com slash thegeekiverse. Moving on to today's main topic here, we are talking Jump Force. So this game uh, was uh, a game that we had looked forward to, announced last June at E3. We got our hands on an Xbox One copy of it uh, last week Monday. Texted Jeff and said, how quick can you get here? Uh, so the next night we were playing. I'm Jump outside Force. your front door. I didn't actually say that. I'm kidding. <laughs> he didn't say it, but he was there. That which didn't is happen. So we had a grand old time. We've posted some clips and we'll post some more on our Instagram uh, of in-game action. Um, overall, you scored it. We Our official review, 8 out of 10. And uh, quick synopsis. What can you tell us in summary of Jump Force? Well, Jump Force is a 3D tag fighter that brings together over 40 of the most iconic characters from the Shonen Jump, or sorry, weekly Shonen Jump manga properties. This includes such uh, franchises like Naruto, uh, One Piece, Dragon Ball, Roroni Kenshin, even Yu-Gi-Oh! So a lot of these classic Japanese properties that originated as manga um, and then really took off, especially in the West, through their anime adaptations. Um, brings a lot of these characters all together into a big old fighting game. You make a team of three fighters when you play um, for most scenarios. If you're playing like the story or some of the missions, sometimes you're a little bit more limited in terms of how many people you fight with. But that's the core mechanic of the game. You get three fighters together. Not not very much different from like say Marvel versus Capcom or uh, Tatsunoko versus uh, Capcom, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, these tag fighters where you make a team out of the various people on the roster and then you duke it out in some of the <laughs> some of the most cinematic fights i've ever seen in a fighting game between the camera angle which is 
kind of behind the back over the shoulder. I don't even know if there's an actual term for it because I've never really seen too many fighting games use this. Um, and then just how absolutely wild and crazy the special moves are in the game. I know you and I were smiling like a, and laughing like a couple idiots last week when, when we were playing it. When you trigger a special move, there's a oh kind of moment. Uh -huh. Like you know, it's it's going to be bad, and it's just long enough. There's like a cutscene uh, practically for most of them. The you know action cuts away to see the character powering up. Yeah, and once you got in game, really very little delay time between cutscene and action. Yeah, I mean, thankfully. Which uh, which was nice, because they were big big uh, little cutscenes here, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, from your review, you said Jump Force is brimming with spectacle as it brings so many iconic characters together in one production. But it also provides them with solid mechanics and plentiful content to make it a complete package for gamers who know these Japanese heroes and villains. So, this is a little bit of double-edged sword for me. This is new to me on a few fronts. Uh, a lot of the properties that are in the game, I'm not very familiar with. I've just never been involved with them. On the flip side, fighting games. I have little experience with them. I've played some of the more newer, more recent Mortal Kombat's. I've played um, Injustice pretty heavily. But you this, played you played some Soul Calibur. Played a little Soul Calibur. Watched you murder a guy off a <laughs> cliff and make sure that you jumped over the cliff to make sure he was dead. Go to our Instagram, check out that clip. It's hilarious. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and now here, this was. I had so much fun with this. I I would. I can't get enough of it, and it's something I want to actually dive back into. Uh, I, with the camera angle, that's a big thing. So this is not really on the rails, where it's it's from the side, you see left versus right. It, this is uh, a panning camera that moves, and it works well for two, player sitting, two players sitting on the couch playing each other. I was worried about that at first. I thought maybe this would only be sufficient for online play, but I never had any issues coming from any angle. I will definitely say there's a less of a barrier to entry to this kind of fighting game than, say, like your Street Fighter or even Super Smash Brothers, for example, sure. on, on, the, on the competitive side of Super Smash Brothers. Um, and that's what's funny. You know, I, I've been playing Smash Brothers so much lately that when I jump back and forth between Jump Force and Super Smash Brothers, the initial adjustment period is so jarring because the two <laughs> games are just just wildly different in terms of principle and core game mechanics. And uh, Jump Force, I, I was intimidating at first watching you kind of play through or even through the early um, kind of tutorials, if you will. Not really tutorial, but there's a lot of combinations, meaning a lot of different buttons you wouldn't anticipate providing combos together, uh, whether it was like an A and a left trigger or a right bumper. Um, and it worked really well. It worked really well because it was memorable and they were different enough that it felt like... Uh, a game of rock, paper, scissors. Yes, that there's definitely that kind of element to it, especially with, like, the counters. I remember there were a couple times where you countered one of my moves, and we, neither of us had any idea uh, how that even happened because we had just started playing the game, and we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> but it was... Yeah. Um, and, and really, like, the meat and potatoes of the combat system is the special moves because um, you can like jump, you can do grabs, you can do like a power attack, you can do like a normal strike. But all of that is very basic, very by the numbers where where the wrinkles start appearing in the combat is through the special moves, which give you a lot of different range attacks. They give you attacks that let you hit um, different parts of the map as opposed to just being you know right up in front of your opponent. Um, that those moves more so than anything else help 
distinguish between the different fighters then too because the roster is enormous there's oh, over yeah. 40 characters right now and there's more coming through dlc um so if that you know if you don't distinguish between the different fighters that's what really would hamper an experience in a fighting game where every single character feels the same but in jump force the specials do help most of them stand out from one another yeah there's um quite a quite a roster for sure and uh, i stuck with kind of more of the same probably three to five characters characters that i recognized as really a fan uh a distant kind of fan of this stuff someone that's not involved with it very much you don't even have to that's what's great you don't have to know these characters that's to enjoy what made the it game because between their personalities and their appearances which are fun and just the fact that the game is easy to pick up and just the action's crazy it's outrageous at times man i loved it it's, it was a blast it was adrenaline it was all over the place uh what do you think of the visuals uh, for the most part, very good. You know, the, the 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 thing I think I would say that most impressed me was the animation and the fact that there's very little, like everything animates very well. Like the 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 pace of the battles are frantic. Like it's a breakneck pace, but everything animated very cleanly, very smoothly. Um, what little we did play online not a lot of lag that i could tell i mean there's always input lag but that's that's unavoidable in a fighting game right the actual movement of the uh like the graphics and the characters and all that that animated very cleanly even online i uh i thought i, I like the the art style that they went with because it kind of blends all the properties together in a really nice relatable way that none of them seem super out of their element yeah um where we fought early on, we fought in a few different arenas. The uh, first one was kind of like, uh, it looked like New York City, and uh, which was reminiscent of Marvel's Spider-Man PS4. And even Lauren said that it kind of looked like Spider-Man. And then uh, there was one where you were out in kind of like a valley with a, a field in the in the, the second arena where f- you were fighting in, if I remember correctly. I think that was actually Planet Namek from Dragon Ball, Okay, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. I don't remember. We played. We played a lot those few days when we There's, were reviewing it. <laughs> there was a, a lot to unlock that we didn't even scrape scratch the surface of. It's kind of cool because there's levels that are like real world levels. There's like you know like a there's like you said like the New York. There's a Paris level. There's a level in New Zealand. But then there's also levels that are pulled straight from the different properties. So there's like a Dragon Ball level. Um, there's a level from One Piece. There's a level from Naruto. Obviously not real world locations. So the game kind of, you know, blends real world locations with these fictional ones. It's uh, I it, this game is like a love letter to not just fighting game fans but anime fans too. Oh yeah, and uh, it, it's such a wonderful culmination. I I love any any sort of game you could get together with friends, whether it's couch co op or, or these head to head games. And man, this one is is one that I did not anticipate finding a, a liking to. As much as I have. And it's definitely really cool because a lot of these characters aren't well known enough to justify their own game. Right. So you really would never be able to play a video game with a lot of these characters in here unless it was, you know, a big crossover like this. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, I don't. It's admit, smart. Yeah. And and, that, and I mean, even if there is a dedicated game to some of these smaller or lesser known properties, it probably never made it out of Japan. No. So, like, for Western fans, we probably never had a chance to play that. And I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, whether whether you're new to it like me or you're more of a, a, a veteran like Jeff, it, it, this is a game you definitely should get your hands on. Try it with a buddy for sure. 
Um, and we've got the 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 game pass for it, so we're going to get all the downloadable content. So we'll be playing it throughout the, the coming months. We'll be playing it still. Yeah, and uh, we'll be sharing on Instagram just uh, some of the clips for it. Just go check it out. Appreciate it. Um, it's nice to get a new property like this in the sense that this was not a, a franchise here, like you said, that we saw here in the West. Uh, the culmination of all of those coming together under one umbrella. Really, really good stuff there. Anything else uh, to wrap up on, on Jump Force? Go read my review. Go read the review. Give, give right. that more views. That's right. <laughs> Go uh, check it out at thegeekiverse.com. Uh, that's about it for today's show. We've gotten through everything we want to do, so we're going to uh, wind things down here. I will uh, start with a few things. We want to promote uh, Nickel City Con. We're within 100 days here. We're almost exactly th- almost exactly three months. Oh, boy. Uh, so May 17th weekend at the Buffalo Niagara Convention Center. We are the media sponsor for the event. We'll be there emceeing the entire thing. You can unfortunately hear <laughs> the grumpy geek Pete Hur's voice throughout ah. uh, the speaker every every hour. So I'm sorry about that, but I'm needed elsewhere. So uh, we're, we're going to be hosting a bunch of panels. Uh, we'll have a, a few workshops, uh, which are kind of smaller, uh, more intimate setting. Uh, we did trivia last year for, for Star Wars. We did a live memory machine podcast. We've got a lot going on there. Uh, we just announced a few special guests that are coming. You can check that out right at our website as well as NicholCityCon.com. And be sure to pick uh, the three-day weekend pass. That is ultra cheap right now. I believe you can get it for as little as $40. So three days of the con gets you in uh, to all the activities there for $40. Cannot beat it. Uh, another thing, every Friday from now until Nickel City Con, we are giving away two passes to Nickel City Con for Friday, specifically the, the Friday of the event. All you got to do is go to our Facebook. So it's facebook.com slash the Geekiverse. And uh, on every Friday, we're going to tell you how you can win those tickets. Make sure you like our page there as well as the official Nickel City Con page. Uh, you can't beat free passes to, to one of the premier events in our area. Patreon.com. We mentioned it earlier in the show. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Geekiverse. It, uh, it helps us out a bit here. helps us keep the lights on, as Jeff and I like to say. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can subscribe to the Geekiverse, unlock exclusive perks, and for a limited time, just a few more months to go, you can get our fourth anniversary T-shirt by picking one of the levels there to subscribe. You can check out the official details at Patreon.com slash the Geekiverse. Our fifth anniversary is coming up, Jeff. Five years of the Geekiverse, almost here. Kind of crazy. Surreal, man. Felt like yesterday. Uh, Online, we have an official store for merchandise. You can get Geekiverse-branded stuff at thegeekiverse.storeenvy.com. That's 1E, Store Envy. Uh, We've got a very, very popular shirt right now. We were just at Buffalo Soup Fest, and we couldn't keep two designs off the press. What were those? Our Coexist design, which has... uh, Kind of a culmination of PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo influence on it. Coexist. And then uh, our Fantastic Beats shirt, uh, which is a Dwight Schrute from The Office crossover with Fantastic Beasts. So check that out. Uh, those are $10 right now. You're not going to find a better deal on T-shirts than that. Jeff, where can we find you on social media so we can talk about Jump Force? And what can we plug at the Geekiverse? I am on Twitter at Jeffrey Povs. Uh, on Instagram, Jeff Pavlock. Uh, we are coming up to the two-year anniversary of Switch, so I am going Jeez. to be doing a um, feature, an in-depth feature piece on that, what the first two years of the system has been like for that, um, what I think is going to be happening with the system going forward, and basically what kind of 
what kind of tone and product Nintendo is really establishing for itself with the console. That's uh, that's going to be a monster there. Yeah. Uh, Looking forward oh, to start. doing that one. Jack Eichel. All right. Well, what, nothing what, savers. What, what, oh, Jack, Jack Eichel got the goal? He did. All right. 19 on the year, baby. We are recording this on a Tuesday night. For that's right. The, if you're listening to this, just for for reference. We've uh, we've pretty I've pretty I've given up on the Sabers this oh, year. Oh, don't worry, me too. <laughs> uh, just sign Skinner, pay the man. Hey, UB Bulls still ranked in the top twenty-five. They're going to the big dance. We have still got something. We still got something. Right. Horns up. Uh, next time. Uh, so also the the Jump Force review, and then every day this week there's a special sneak peek oh, for something yes. that is near and dear to your heart. You're right? Yeah. What is that? Tell us about um, that. That is going to be the second book in my trilogy, The Legend of Light. Uh, young adult high fantasy trilogy um, that the myself and Geekiverse have collaborated on. We are releasing the first five chapters, one chapter per day starting to actually start today, which is Tuesday the 19th. And we're going to be releasing them through Saturday, the 23rd. Yep. Correct. Yep. Um, first five chapters will be free to read on the website. Um, although if you want to check that out, I highly recommend you read the first book in the trilogy just makes sense that way however if you already have the uh read the first book and you're looking forward to the next one you'll be able to read the first five chapters for free on the website until our release which will be next week i'm looking at february 25th oh man so by the time you're hearing the, the next episode of geek scott game you're going to be able to purchase the second book in that trilogy where can people get the first on amazon you could either search for the echoes of light the legend of light or me jeffrey Pavlock. get a physical copy yeah yeah definitely keep, keep it print handy folks that's right um, you will not regret picking that up. Uh, go ahead, do that, and check out the chapters that you're going to be seeing here, which will give a very, very nice glimpse into the second story here. Myself, uh, I have interviewed John Paquette. Uh, he is the lead writer, was the lead writer, on Spider-Man PS4. Uh, so he got to craft the narrative and direction of that story. We talked about that, and we also talked about sunset overdrive he was the lead writer on that so john paquette of insomniac games uh, was kind enough to give us some time there you can check out that interview right at the gigaverse.com last week i was also able to interview speaking of authors here jason fry who was the author of the uh, star wars the last jedi novelization uh he was absolutely wonderful to talk to gave me some incredibly in-depth answers he basically wrote me a book back and uh he talked about one of my favorite things about this was how uh, ryan johnson was in the whole process of helping this novel come to light and some of the freedom that uh, jason had in kind of expanding upon the movie and keeping it in canon um and it was interesting to hear him how he had to kind of create these and imagine where things were going because he he just really had a script to go off of he didn't have the direction he didn't have the movie oh yeah so think about how, how hard that oh, was yeah what a task that must be uh he did a wonderful job with the the novel so you uh pick that up go read it even if you didn't like the the movie maybe maybe the book will change your mind here lots coming to the geekiverse this is our uh Official Nickel Nickel City Con season, as we say here. Just a few months to go. We'll be busy with announcements and uh, some hangouts there. So, for everything gaming, for everything movies, for everything TV and comics, you're in the right place, thegeekiverse.com. Thank you so much for listening to Geek Scott Game. We'll see you in a few weeks. For my co-host, Jeff, I'm Josiah. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you soon. from me like you have won something cause that just isn't
Take